Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? We have an unusual and great show today. We're going to have joining us in studio, Dr. Richard Bartlett. And there's so much to talk about, really comparing where we are now with where we were in COVID uh, back in July of 2020. We'll do a lot of going back to what we knew then in our great interview that day, what we know now. So stay tuned for a, a big, long ride, fast ride, talking about COVID and where we stand today, the explosion of information and where we go from here. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk to today's First Five. We do a very special and unique show planned for today. I will tell you that for our listeners who've been around for a few years, you may recall an interview that happened on this show in July of 2020. Short story was, if you can place your uh, thinking back into that time frame, COVID had burst on the scene at the start of 2020. We had uh, threats about people being told to stay at home. We had mask mandates. We had shelter in place rules. We had all sorts of things going on that were um, you know, unusual for Americans. And we had a lot of fear. We had America thinking about, just couldn't believe the world was actually going through a pandemic. Those things seemed like something that belonged in the dark ages or something and not, uh, especially one that was international and seemed so alarming. Well, at that time, there was a, the push began by Dr. Fauci to say, everybody just needs to wait for the vaccine, chill, you know, stay home, go nowhere, go ahead and you know it, shut your business down you can't go to church can't can't do this can't do that and by that time of the year uh there were doctors friends of mine and others other doctors around the country who began to speak up a little bit about well i think some other existing medications that they might be okay they might be effective ivermectin was being talked about uh, and some other things but at that point there was still mostly an attitude of fear and an also a sense being just injected into american society that we just simply had to wait for the vaccines the only way out of this was the vaccines so then in July of 2020, I happened to meet Dr. Richard Bartlett, who is a Texas-based doctor in the Midland-Odessa area. Uh, met him at a political event and talked with him afterwards. And he was telling me about his success in working with something uh, which he was, he said it like three times before I could even say the words correctly, inhaled budesonide. So he joined me on the show the next day and we had what turned out to be a viral video interview. The interview lasted more than half the show and among the many topics we touched on were the his discovery as a long-standing uh, practicing doctor in Midland, Odessa that inhaled budesonide was actually really effective in helping people who uh, arrived in the emergency room where he was working. So he began the journey of trying to understand inhaled budesonide and what exactly was uh, 
how that was going to help. So first I want to introduce to you, remind you again, and Dr. Barlow has been on our show numerous times since then. He's actually spoken at two of our Women for Freedom Summits. Uh, he is an outspoken advocate for many things related to health care, certainly to in, for inhaled budesonide, but also for health care freedom and for the right of doctors and patients to work together without the interference of the government and the state medical board. So without further ado, hi, Dr. Bartlett. Debbie, it's great to be with you again. Great to be with you. And I'll just share with our listeners the true story. We've been sitting with my husband in a conference room here for about two hours, um, running through, because the, the true story is so much has happened since then, since July of 2020, to now that there really is a, um, there's so much to cover and not enough time. See this happy thick stack of things? We could go through all of that, but we're not going to do that. Um, but um, you've been remarkable in speaking up speaking truth at conferences and summits and uh, on media yourself, talking about COVID and, um, and and where we're going from here. So we tried dividing this up into certain topics. We'll see how we do. We started with, we're gonna call the truth one. This first one, I kind of called the show the truth explosion about COVID. This first one is the vax only agenda or medical tyranny. Let's start, if we can please, if we have the clips by the astoundingly responsible and efficient Emilio, who just got a long list of clips from me and I believe has them ready. The very first one is clip uh, from the show we did back in 2020, uh, the very first clip uh, starting at minute zero. Everyone in America should care very much about finding solutions to coronavirus, to fighting the spread, to finding solutions to people who really suffer from COVID-19. We all should care. There's a growing sense among a significant portion of Americans that this problem of coronavirus is being manipulated politically by people with an agenda other than finding out a way to deal with the coronavirus, an agenda to push America ultimately toward becoming more subservient to the government, to become more willing to do what they're told by the government in terms of staying in their homes, not opening their businesses, wearing masks, all the things the government is saying and ultimately appears that many in government are trying to drive America toward agreeing that the only solution is a vaccine and the only solution uh, with a vaccine is that everyone just has to stay home until it's ready and then everyone's gonna have to take it. We're being driven to a vaccine only solution and plenty of Americans are saying, I don't think so. And that my very fine friends, the Today's First Five. So I mentioned at the start of the show, we have a guest joining us. This is kind of a funny thing. I'll just tell you a true story. So last night there was okay, a- we can cut this off here, I think. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, and Emilio, thank goodness our setup in this studio, I can see him really clearly. So he can see me making gestures. So thank you so much. So that was the conversation from then. What's your Inspired, first reaction? Inspired, insightful. Wow, you hit the nail on the head. Three years later, that's exactly what we've experienced. Yeah. Uh, medical tyranny. And when I say medical tyranny, that may sound kind of radical, but actually I'm a doctor working on the front lines in the emergency room and taking care of patients, getting calls day and night during the pandemic. And so we're gonna show some examples of, no, it really is tyranny and it's medical tyranny in particular. Absolutely, and you know, we have a little running list of things we wanna be sure we covered. The first one is, this occurred I believe in the uh, emergency okay, room so where you work. This or happened across the street from, I was asked to set up a monoclonal antibody infusion center, Regeneron. Uh, across the street from Medical Center Hospital in Odessa. And this is a picture of medical tyranny across the street at Medical Center in the emergency room. A young lady uh, who was a minor uh, w had COVID, 
short of breath, low on oxygen at home, tested positive at home. Mother brings her to the ER and the ER tests her again. She's positive, of course, and low on oxygen. And they rip a plastic bag off a roll of bags that are made for e equipment covers, not made for human use, and whip that bag open like you would at a grocery store. Instead of putting a head of lettuce in it, they're putting it over a human head. And you can see in that picture, there's no evidence that she was on supplemental oxygen. She was low on oxygen when she came. And so when I saw that picture, I went ballistic. And I found out that this had been going on for almost a year at that hospital, and it was their COVID protocol. And um, who came up with that? We still haven't heard, but the administrator doubled down when I publicly said this is wrong because I, I actually teach emergency room doctors how to do advanced trauma life support, airway, breathing, circulation, the ABCs. This was against every basic tenet of healthcare. I couldn't believe that they, the doctors and nurses were looking the other way for almost a year when this was being done in the name of a pandemic. That is medical tyranny. Absolutely. Plus, on top of that, I think the black writing on a clear plastic bag right over her face is one, you know, be careful, do not put this near infants or children. And it warns you that you're, it's a dangerous thing, but they, I mean. A suffocation a little, hazard. Is it, yeah, but it, it does also speak to how fearful medical thought was at that time. Even informed doctors, Well, they so were told, afraid. this is what happened, this is how we do it here. If you want help, this is what we do. In other words, when you have a child that was low on oxygen, take it or leave it is and the is what was implied to the family and she was the she was a uh, extrovert a social butterfly the the uh, team uh, trainer on all the sports teams in high school but after that she's got eight, she's in counseling for uh, for PTSD she dropped out of school she's in oh counseling i'm telling you this is not a joke this is medical tyranny and it does have lasting effects on children on elderly and that's just a picture of medical tyranny. Yeah, picture of tyranny driven by just hysterical fear, which is intentionally induced in our I society. Had, yes, I had adults that were intelligent members in the community tell me, well, they had to do something. Well, do you have to do that? Uh, it, outrageous. I also want to, as related to medical tyranny, you know, we heard in stories in other countries, uh, America didn't get this bad, but they got close. In New Zealand, there was the effort to, if you are somebody who's a problem or you won't take the vaccine, won't behave, that the uh, now former prime minister in New Zealand uh, had a statement related to how she was going to treat people. And this, uh, my, Mr. Emilio, is clip. Uh, clip, 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 clip three from New Zealand. So you basically see this is going to be like, well, it's almost like I, you probably don't see it like this, the two different classes of people. If you're vaccinated or if you're unvaccinated, you have all these rights. If you are vaccinated. That is what it is. So, yep. Yep. Can you describe as you previously? Okay. So this is the prime. Actually, you know, I, we talked, I mentioned this earlier. She was driven out of office uh, because of her policies on um, COVID. I mean, she, it was so severe a lockdown and, and by forcing people, oh, go ahead. Tyranny. Tyranny. Uh, and she was actually saying, yeah, you're not vaccinated. You're going to go live in the unvaccinated camp. She said, yeah, two classes of people. That's right. But you, she was driven. I love the spirit of the people of New Zealand. They protested so much. She announced a few months ago now saying she was going to not run for re-election to spend more time with her family. Uh-huh. Anyway, Tyranny. I don't, know, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, in the United, this is the United States, and by the way, we're in Texas right now, and Thank so that's God. not going to fly in Texas. 
Yeah, but this idea of, of sending people off, Australia and New Zealand engaged in that, segregating yes. people not Awful. vaccinated. Concentration <laughs> camps is really what it was. Yeah, it, and the f it, again, this the fear tyranny is of how fear. you drove, drove people, but it was from the top. It was centralized power, centralized control of health care. And in the name of health care, people were forced. And I think government leaders and many people were in, enforcing these things out of fear. The, the reason they put bags over people's heads, the explanation was we got to protect the workers. Would you do that if you went past a daycare and you saw a bag being put over a child's head to protect the workers at the daycare? Would you say that's an acceptable excuse? Absolutely not. And so yeah. I'm saying all these things have been out of fear and and bogus explanations for why they were doing it. Yep. And then as we're going to get to, uh, I guess, much later in our discussion, but they were doing it because many of the physicians like you and others who are saying there are actually really viable choices yes. without waiting for the vaccine to help these people based and on science based on science of all things but there that was that kind of instilled in people not just fear but nothing can be done until until we get that to, was the messaging yeah until vaccines one last thing uh that we had which was astonishing things so here we're all waiting for the vaccines yes. And then we had Dr. Deborah Burks. So see if we, we managed to get after this thing. After the vax, she tells us this. Yes, after the vax. I think this is clip four. This is a, I believe we're on the right one. You know what? We put these clips together. We'll just see how we do. Do we have that? No, we don't have that. Okay. That's fine. Deborah Burks said that uh, the vaccines were never supposed to protect you from COVID. Yep. We were told if you, uh, I remember Biden saying, if you get the shot, you won't get COVID. And we heard that messaging over and over and over, you know, safe and effective, the effective part. And so, yeah, this was the headline. We actually, as I mentioned earlier, we sat down for two hours trying to run through what things were important enough to talk about today. And far more than two hours worth of uh, one hour things was um, worth talking about. Anyway, this was the headline Epoch Times or Epic Times. Burke says COVID-19 vaccines were never going to protect against infection. And I want to have you elaborate on that because you said a minute ago, you remember hearing a few people in authority, Fauci and and Biden say, if you get the vaccine, you won't get COVID. Yeah, they so literally said that. We, there's montages that everybody can find on the internet of uh, them saying over and over again, government leaders, Fauci, uh, Biden, uh, Walensky, and other talking heads, other people saying a script that if you get the shot, you will not get COVID. And then, and then when that was proven wrong, because let's let's think about it, uh, they all got four shots and then they got COVID twice. <laughs> and so I guess yeah. it doesn't protect you from getting COVID. And, uh, and so they changed the, they moved the goalposts and said, well, it'll keep you from spreading it. Oh, well we had, that was proven wrong. Uh, you had uh, the USS Milwaukee that was, had to stay in port because they had 100% vaccinated, but they had an outbreak of the 100% vaccinated. How does that happen if it keeps you from spreading it? And so that got proven wrong. And so over and over and over, the things that they promised, were they were promises made that were promises not kept. Promises not kept for sure. And on the subject of what people, the promises, and we may be jumping around, but first it was, if you get the vaccine, you won't get COVID. That was clearly easily proven not true. Well, you won't spread it. And that was proven that wrong. Was pr yeah. And then, well, you won't get, if you get COVID, you won't get really sick. Which was proven wrong, wrong. first in Canada and in Israel because they were ahead of us on forcing the masses to get vaccinated. So they were ahead of us in the numbers that we were seeing out of Ontario in particular because they were rather transparent with their information was that uh, there were just, there were more people 
in the ICU with COVID that were fully vaccinated and boosted than people in the ICU that were not vaccinated. Oh, that's not supposed to happen, according to what we were told. There were, you know, I mean, as we were talking about earlier, so many stories and studies and organizations trying to put out the truth. Then they said, well, at least if you get vaccinated and you still get COVID, you won't die. Well, we're going to talk about uh, safe also and effective. Untrue. We're going to talk about uh, the evidence that about the safety. Yeah, uh, about the moment. safety. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so our next topic, um, we had, we call that uh, the vaccine only agenda, medical tyranny. Uh, we're going to talk about um, WHO. I never like to just say who. The WHO, World Health Organization, and the CCP agenda, and basically the source of COVID, the lab leak idea. So uh, we had from our first interview, uh, or actually this was, this is over two and a half years ago. Yes. Over two and a half years ago. Uh, we have a little clip, which um, I believe, Mr. Emilio, um, if we are on track here, this should be called clip five. Early treatment. We need to detect it early for every disease, Debbie. America has the best healthcare system, and we do early detection and early treatment for cancer, for heart disease, for stroke, for all kinds of infections. But this is crazy that we're doing what communist China is doing, and we're parroting that through the World Health Organization. Yeah. And, and then the World Health Organization is praising what China did. And so yeah. Italy follows that follows suit. And look what Italy, yeah, over 30,000 people died in Italy so far versus seven in a country that people are stacked on top of each other, 24 million. Okay, so one thing I want to get to, um, I, I want to hit in this segment, you know, we... This, we're calling this segment the World Health Organization CCP agenda. In the beginning, the conversation was all about, or the theory being spread was, well, this came from bats in a fish market or something like that. Right. Now we're aware that it came out of a lab in Wuhan. Is there any question about that? No question in my mind at all. And actually you have the FBI now saying that that's what happened. And the Department of Energy, which has a very sophisticated intelligence uh, network as well that I was not aware of, but they have come to that conclusion. And so, but I'm going to tell you, most Americans already knew that three years ago. Right. And so uh, first you got to get over the hurdle that they would even make such a monster, a Frankenstein virus in a lab. And so could they do that? Well, our, our next... Uh, little clips here show that actually they have and they are yeah you know this is so this uh, to be the, the points we're hammering away at was not naturally occurring it was man-made and it was actually a man-made bioweapon i like using that term if you agree with that term a bioweapon absolutely it is a bioweapon and so a weapon of mass destruction and so if you're going to make a weapon of mass destruction it has to be disseminated easily uh, to the masses and then also it has to be dangerous well, what is a virus that, what family of viruses is easily spread? Well, it spreads as fast as the cold. Coronavirus is the common cold virus family. And so what they did was they weaponized it with a spike protein where they put code that was deadly and dangerous in, they genetically engineered and spliced it into the common cold virus. That is weaponizing the common cold. And that's what, ha that's what COVID is. It's the most amazing thing, weaponizing, 
COVID is weaponizing the common cold virus with spike protein, which I told you earlier, I really want to talk about that in a minute, what a spike protein is. But we do have some headlines because there were people, I mean, I think still today, people say, well, they wouldn't make a dangerous virus or on they purpose. Couldn't. Some people don't realize or, they can. Yeah, or they couldn't. Okay, so this is, uh, we have clip six, Mr. Emilio, I believe we have. Um, it's a picture. It's a headline. And um, okay, so this says, for our radio listeners, I shall read you the headline. It says, UK scientists create COVID strain with 80% kill rate in lab tests. So these are UK scientists making a COVID strain, 80% kill rate in lab within tests. Within the last year, within the last year, after COVID was out, why would you be doing genetic engineering, gain of function research is what it is. And, and that's a, a, a convoluted title for making a, a, a bioweapon or a virus more dangerous. And so why would they be monkeying around with that in the lab? Uh, and when we've seen what happens, all the heartache that's happened already with the original Wuhan variant that's now extinct. And then you had the Delta variant, which I believe was a second leak. But kind of flamed out a little bit and flamed out well, before. Well, we've seen one after another after another pass through. And uh, who's to say if it was a lab leak by accident, who's to say that these wouldn't leak? But I, I'm not convinced it was a leak. Uh, I am convinced it was made in a lab. Oh, I'm not either. I, I very much can believe that it was released intentionally and, and strategically. Okay, so I think we had another one. Um, there's another uh, headline that relates to the creation of COVID viruses. And then we're going to get into the spike protein thing. But this one for our happy radio listeners says, Korea engineered mutant COVID variants with site-directed mutagenesis requiring enhanced biosafety level three. This is in South Korea, funded by the, the NIH. So talk what? about that. Debbie, haven't we learned our lesson? Apparently not. <laughs> why, why would we make a deadly, highly contagious virus more deadly? Uh, I, the UK did that, shame on them. Korea does it? That's does that make it uh, right uh, that, that they did it at the UK so we can do it in Korea? At a, uh, and it, re, it was reported that it was at a CDC lab funded at with a NIH CDC in lab report. in Korea. Okay, I do want to touch on that. So you said a minute ago, gain of function, that term just means adding something artificial. Making it more dangerous and deadly and contagious. So adding the, co adding the spike protein is a gain of function thing to do. Yes, because an example of gain of common function. cold normally causes sniffles, causes a little fever, causes a headache. It doesn't uh, fill the hospitals to overflowing. Uh, but when you add a spike protein, when you splice that in, genetic engineering, uh, where you actually in a lab intentionally, uh, in a very difficult procedure, splice in a deadly uh, uh, gene sequence that can kill people, um, and it has killed people, that's what gain-of-function research is. Okay, so I want to talk about when you say gain of function, we put in, okay, I have too many articles here, but I want to find that one. So they put in spike protein. Mm -hmm. Can you just say, or is there a way so to describe spike what protein, that? what does this spike protein do? Well, we know it, is, it triggers inflammation, total body inflammation, systemic inflammation, and it triggers clotting, microclots. And so we were seeing something with COVID that we didn't expect, but we, but we uncovered it early because people were ending up in the hospital, in the ER, with clots in the lungs, pulmonary emboli. They were uh, getting clots in the legs. They were having heart attacks, uh, clot in the coronary artery, which would kill them many times before they got to the hospital. They were having strokes from clots. Abnormal clotting, and that's what it would manifest as medically. And then we also saw 
Um, inflammation. So what kind of inflammation? Well, inflammation in the lungs from the cytokine storm causing the shortness of breath, the acute respiratory distress syndrome, which would put people on a, uh, in the ICU. But we also saw inflammation total body. It would cause inflammation of the brain. It would cause inflammation of the heart. It caused inflammation of many things. What caused the inflammation? Well, the spike protein is designed to bind to ACE receptors in the lining of the respiratory tract, and then it triggers the release of cytokines, poisons that are released from the lining into the bloodstream that go total body and cause all of the symptoms. Even diarrhea, 50% of the COVID patients in the first several strains that came out had diarrhea. Even though it was a respiratory virus, it was triggering that from the cytokines released from the lung lining. Okay, is there a valid medical reason to put a spike protein in any uh, vaccine. Any so vaccine? the spike protein is the weapon. I think it was, and we're seeing the evidence that it was not a good idea to turn people into spike protein factories by genetically engineering a, a, a COVID shot uh, that would be gene material, genetic material injected in somebody that goes through their bloodstream, triggers them to start making, goes into their cells and starts triggering the formation of the poison, the spike protein itself. And so we're going to talk about what we uncovered from the Pfizer data that it causes total body inflammation. We are. So on the subject, to be really clear, spike protein was inserted by the, the creating the, uh, a cold virus, making it into a bioweapon, injected the spike protein into the virus. They spliced it into the genetic spliced code. Spliced it into the DNA of the virus. Yeah, RNA. RNA of the virus. And the spike protein is also in the vaccines. Yes. Okay. And spike proteins themselves, I mean, I, I know. Are I, not I, a natural phenomenon. There is not natural spike protein like this spike protein in nature. So this was an intentional addition, which is, you know, to those people still clinging to hope that somehow this was just from the bats and caves in China or whatever the story was, there is no way that is true. That cannot be true. It does not exist in nature. Okay. I will tell you very quickly, we we don't have to go off on a, a slide about this, but I mentioned earlier, I saw there was one scientist in... I think the UK, who early on wrote a letter to Dr. Fauci saying, I don't think this is naturally occurring because I'm seeing, and he, he talked about the interrupted RNA sequence and saying, I think it's got to be something, it's got to be man-made. And that guy, you know, raised some, got some attention, Christian yeah. something. Anderson, maybe? <laughs> I think it is Anderson, is, yeah. Well, the bottom line is, uh, yes, uh, he, uh, there, the evidence is out. This is current uh, evidence that's on the mainstream news even uh, that that uh, these emails have been uh, uncovered and made public now and they're being talked about in Congress and in the Senate uh, that he, that Fauci was told this looks like a man made lab created uh, virus because of the evidence on the genetic code and uh, short, and within that conversation, uh, within a day of that conversation, he reversed on that after they had a meeting of the minds and then subsequently received a grant Fauci for said almost $2 million. Yeah, arranged a million dollar grant to him. So all of a sudden he doesn't see a problem anymore, which is really, it's gonna, that's gonna be a good a springboard in a moment to talk about the way money, the role money has played in this entire episode. Because you know, I mean, Americans want so much just to believe in the goodness of their government and the goodness of their agencies that surely we have this massive problem and people are dying and we have you know people suffering and frightened. You wanna believe the government is just doing everything they can to help you. So the idea, 
that there was apparently, and one other quick thing, on the gain of function research, it appears it was being funded by the NIH, correct? Yes. You good with that? that I mean, that's what, uh, so we all saw Senator Rand Paul uh, with a fistful of uh, evidence waving these papers under Fauci's nose on the Senate floor that was evidence of the funding of the gain of function research at the Wuhan lab. And he was calling Fauci out on it in front right. of the whole world, and Fauci was tongue-tied. He was tongue-tied is a good word. We also, in this section on WHO and CCP, I mean, we, I, I don't know why you put, why you on the CCP, you would put it in there, but the World Health Organization is largely viewed to be controlled by the CCP. The head of World Health Organization, uh, Tedros, however you say his name, is not a medical, he is a doctor, but not a medical doctor. He's a, you know, he's, he's not an a academic. Doctor, he's not a nurse, he's not a chiropractor, he's not a lab tech, he's not a physical therapist, he's not a medical person, but uh, he's not even an American. Uh, he's from Eurasia, which has a terrible human rights record in the world, and uh, yet uh, he's he was praising over and over again the Chinese response to COVID. They just which, went through their worst outbreak of COVID ever recently. How's that working for them? Yeah, how's that working? It's right. I'm watching our time, the topics we want to get to. So we had a lot of discussion about being afraid, being told social distancing would help. We talked about this before. There's no study that shows social distancing helps and being afraid definitely doesn't help. The next thing we we're going to talk to, uh, we had in our uh, little outline uh, was, or the way I had written it was, um, you know, why are we doing any of this? Follow the money. I just want to talk about this topic briefly, following the money. Um, and we had a short clip here, I think, so we have it. Uh, let's see if we have it. You know, we, we uh, pulled this together. Yeah, 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 we have a uh, clip eight. Do you have that? Okay. Be afraid, be very afraid because there's a pandemic. Oh, by the way, Debbie, we had a pandemic in 2009. It was the H1N1, and you know what? The flu strain the is said the, and you know what? The flu strain that's going around right now is H1N1. Our patients that have the flu are having H1N1. We're not focused on that at all. It's not as big a deal as they thought it was. But you know what? I just saw an article that Anthony Fauci is uh, warning us that we might have a new pandemic coming of H1N1 from China. It's already here. That's the strain that's already here. A lot of things that are being spoke, there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of things that are being blown out of proportion. And we have good news today. I'm here to tell you this the good news. news. You know, if you, if I told you the reason we're going to shut down the country, shut. You know what? Uh, we want to be sure we hit a lot of things that we are both. I will just tell you, happy listeners, this interview back from July of 2020, it really meant, uh, meant a lot to me. And I believed to uh, Dr. Bartlett also in part because um, it helped a lot of people stop being afraid. They realized, wow, a really incredible doctor is taking, you know, front, you know, center stage speaking up saying we there's a great way to handle this and uh it went viral it went viral to the point it contributed to my being permanently removed from youtube not that i blame dr bartlett or anything but that's what happened uh, i mean shortly after that but also it reached uh, very high levels of power in this country who are aware uh that there was a, a message of hope but turning to the question of why um all this is happening why are we watching this vaccine agenda get pushed uh and you talk about follow the money um i don't know if you we you uh, well, had it, a, there's a reuters uh, article that recently pointed out uh, that the covid uh, vaccines and the covid medications netted or, or grossed a hundred million dollars in 2022 in that one year 100 uh, 100 billion billion excuse yeah me with billion. A 100 billion dollars 
I, you know, there's a, a term, follow the money, a phrase, call, uh, follow the money. I, yeah. think, I think we can follow the money on this on motivation. Absolutely that. And we also talked about, you know, we, I played in the show a few weeks ago uh, when very fortunately for the good guys, Project Veritas went underground and they got someone who was able to corner a very high official at Pfizer who basically said, these are his words, not mine, uh, mutate a Pfizer executive uh, who is no longer employed by them, mutate COVID via directed evolution for the company to continue profiting off of the vaccines. It's going to be a cash cow for us. And so that, that, really hurt Pfizer, but because he was an official inside so Pfizer, but he's actually a medical doctor. He's, yeah. more, he's more qualified than Dr. Tedros and Dr. Jordan Peterson or Dr. Jordan uh, Walker, Dr. Jordan mm -hmm. Walker trained at UT Southwestern in Dallas, a Yale graduate. He's a Yale undergrad. And he yeah. had worked for years for Pfizer. He wasn't someone who just got hired last week by Pfizer. And, and he was saying that these COVID vaccines are going to be a cash cow for years for the company. And he said that undercover video, in an undercover video. Yeah, when he didn't realize he was being, and actually so that was this year. what the motivation year. is. Right, that was this year, which you know led to uh, the apparent or attempted removal of James O'Keefe is heading up Project Veritas. I mean, you don't cross Pfizer. But the point is the money being made by these pharmaceuticals drives them, it appears, to validate and push for um, the vaccines, maybe when they're not quite ready, but we're not gonna get to that in just a moment. Um, and then the other one was, um, maybe that's it, M Moderna had made a 10 billion. In the, first, uh, in the first half of the year, $10 billion, according yeah. to the same article. And you know, it's a related thing. We, there's so many directions to go, but that original interview when, I mean, good-hearted doctors like you around the country are trying to figure out where this virus come from, how can we best help people, and why does it seem like the government's fighting us? It's fighting doctors, it's fighting the citizens, and telling them just to stay home and be afraid. And there's a, there's a cash cow element to that because there's this thing called regulatory capture, which we have discussed other times, I won't do it today, but you would think in, in, the, in a healthy, normal, legal world in America, you would have the FDA, NIH, CDC, all those organizations singularly focused on keeping the American people safe and making sure what the pharmaceuticals do has been validly tested. But somehow that model seems to have fallen apart. I don't know if you want to go there or not. I want to, I want to tell you, uh, the, the wheels fell off the wagon uh, about 15, 20 years ago when the FDA allowed the, co the pharmaceutical companies to bring the safety data to them. And they just took yeah. the, the, the data that the ph pharmaceutical companies would give about their product, and they would say, well, we have safety and efficacy data that's been done. It just happened to be done. They were supposed to be overseeing the pharmaceutical companies, but instead, many times, they're taking the, the, the data that is being offered to them, saying this is safe and effective, and then stamping it. Unbelievable, yeah. And so it's what could go wrong, Debbie? What could go Has wrong? Has anyone heard about thalidomide? And thalidomide I, babies, uh, the yeah. younger generation may have not heard about it, but the babies that were born without arms and legs because of a birth control medicine that was supposed to be a big breakthrough. Uh, yeah. And then babies were born and uh, lived no their life without. Yes, without arms and legs. And so that got taken off the market after the fact, after a great deal of uh, heartache. And so we need long term safety data. Absolutely true, absolutely true. Um, okay, the next topic we had, um, and I actually am not sure if I sent it to 
Mr. Emilio, who's just, again, masks, why? And I, we just do a short amount of time on masks, why? Sure. But originally, well, the, go ahead. The, the evidence is out, two points. One is uh, the Attorney General of Missouri and the Attorney General of Louisiana, kudos to you. I hope you hear me saying, well done. They did a seven-hour deposition of Anthony Fauci and asked him repeatedly for seven hours to cite just one study, just one study that would support masking uh, for COVID, and he couldn't cite one study. We're talking about he represents science, according to him, and he couldn't represent, he couldn't cite one study. The second point is the Cochrane Institute uh, did a meta-analysis of 65 studies uh, from 19 nations, and the evidence that they found was masks don't make a difference. They don't help. Masks don't help. What? Well, you know, that's what they did in China 30 years ago when there'd be a uh, cold out or a flu outbreak in China. We would be watching B-roll of people walking down the streets uh, in China with masks on. And we would, we would think that's ridiculous. Doctors in the United States 30 years ago knew that that would not work. How did we have to go this far and spend this much money, many times on masks that were made in China, yeah, <laughs> uh, to find out that they really don't work? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I have this feeling like, uh, and I'll get to it, probably, I hope I remember to say this at the end too, but you know when you come through something like a really bad experience in your life or, you yes. know, and you look back and say, okay, what do I have to learn from this? Or I'm even sometimes reminded about that movie Minority Report, which I'm getting a little bit distracted, but Minority Report was that movie with yes, Tom Cruise and he, you know, they have developed this incredibly onerous what could go wrong? just uh, system where they've said, you know, these, these being yeah are going to tell you when crime will occur so you're sitting at home eating breakfast and you get arrested because you're told the pre-crime unit said you're going to commit a murder tomorrow or something like that the point of it was i remember the end of the movie this lunatic system was in place and everyone's afraid of the government everyone's afraid of the police and they're you know arresting people who've done nothing wrong and they finally got rid of it and it was like this the, the sun the set was brighter the sun was brighter and tom cruise walks out we got rid of that garbage i kind of feel like that about what happened with our covid and covid policy well the evidence is coming out the facts are coming out and uh, i i don't think uh, that uh, certain powers that be were expecting scientists to act like scientists and and follow the science i don't think they were expecting doctors to practice medicine based on their training and their experience uh, but that's what's happened, and so we that we're on the other side of COVID. We are on the other. Actually, is it accurate to say the the COVID pandemic is all over? Is that yes. correct? You know, we heard Biden say that the pandemic is over, but then he uh, changed his mind the next day. His well, staff don't. You know, <laughs> you, we have a lot of reasons why he would do that, and also Fauci said that as well. But yeah. you know, I know they flip flop. But uh, the bottom line is, unless another variant gets released, we're done with COVID. Okay, I, I do said wanna... that very carefully. Yeah, um, I, we have uh, left to talk about the vax agenda and budesonide, but while we're on this topic, you're just you're talking about. So people, and I, I had actually a good friend say, "Why are you talking about COVID anymore? It's all gone." But there's a concern. It's an agenda that there will be another virus developed. That and now we know they can be developed in the have in already labs. been developed. They're in the labs in the UK. They're uh, these are the th stories that we have been told publicly that there's a, a eighty percent kill rate a COVID variant that's been created at the UK, and they're bragging about it in public. That there's also a, a deadly uh, COVID variant that's been created 
in, Korea, in South Korea. And so uh, those are just two. We know there are bioweapons labs. And so um, uh, could something happen? Why are we talking about COVID? Well, they, it's a public health emergency still in the name of COVID that's happening right now. He, did not, he extended it to May. Yeah, there's that. But also say I read on the show one time and I don't have it ready for today, but Dr. Fauci wrote a paper in I think late 1990s where he was he actually said we are entering the era of pandemics. We are entering the era of viral caused by viruses. And he was talking about it. he actually had the uh, I don't know what the word is temerity or whatever it was to say. And it's going to be caused by climate change, climate change. But his point was, we're entering an era of pandemics. We have to prepare ourselves because many pandemics, many viruses are coming. And you have the feeling, watching the way America handled COVID, that it's an agenda, not a legitimate healthcare crisis you're trying to resolve. Do you feel concerned that we're going to see going forward more viruses that are going to cause alarm and we're going to see more vaccines offered to solve them? So uh, we will see other uh, we will see other pandemics. We will see other emergencies like this, and uh, uh, this was made in the lab. And we know that bioweapons are being made in labs, and we know that there are enemy states, and we know that there are weapons of mass destruction that enemy states have. And so I I'm convinced we will see, and we've actually heard it over and over again from Bill Gates, from uh, Doctor. Um, the CDC director, former CDC Lindsay? director oh. Redfield said okay. that uh, uh, he said that COVID was just a wake up call that the real great pandemic, he used the word great, yep. will be a weaponized bird flu that will kill up to one, up to 50% of the people that uh, uh, get this weaponized bird flu that was made in a lab. And so we're hearing it from authority figures from those that are speaking out and are being repeated over and over again. And so I can tell you there's uh, there are uh, there are authorities that are saying we will have other outbreaks. But we, one thing we learned from COVID is that we're not helpless or hopeless, that there are solutions. And sometimes they're inexpensive, readily available, safe, and been out for decades. Such as budesonide. Let's actually do, um, I want to talk about budesonide, so we'll be sure to uh, cover that. And I, I still want to get to talking about the vaccine agenda, which mm -hmm. we were kind of touching on. But the vaccine agenda also, I want to, in that topic, I want to talk about the damage flowing from the vaccines. But on budesonide, there was a short clip, which I believe, Mr. Emilio, I may have sent to you. Um, it's in the same um, same clip from the, our original interview. Um, yeah, starting at uh, 4.45. A minute, 4.45, do you see that one? Okay, maybe not. And you know what? No. Okay. Um, anyway, what let's just talk about... What clip is it? Let's just talk about budesonide. Just go ahead. So budesonide was what we originally talked about in that interview July 3rd of 2020. And so this is a uh, inhaled steroid that uh, sh that doesn't just help with breathing. Uh, so we talked about earlier how the virus binds to the ACE receptors, gets into the body, triggers the release of the cytokines that cause all the symptoms. Amazing that budesonide helped with all the symptoms in early disease and late disease. And so uh, uh, people's fever broke, their body aches, their back pain stopped, their headaches stopped. The diarrhea stopped because the inflammatory chemicals that were causing all these symptoms were re released from the lung lining. 
Okay, I want to be sure for this non-medical friend of yours. So budesonide, when we talked about originally, it is an, a medication frequently used for asthma. And it, it occurred funny. to you that this same thing was going on in the lungs. So budesonide, when you originally, we were talking originally, I thought you were just saying that just like with asthma, it helps people free their breathing, which by itself, when you're panicked, when you can't breathe, it's a very panicky feeling if you can't breathe. Well, so that was a great thing. Mm -hmm. But you're describing, I know you just said it, but kind of say it again it's clearly. In, it's yeah. in, uh, so the, some of the inflammatory chemicals that are released uh, are from the respiratory lining include interleukin 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 13, 15, cyclooxygenase, which is what ibuprofen blocks, uh, tumor necrosis factor, which is what Tylenol blocks. Uh, thromboxane, which increases clotting. And so we know those are chemicals that can affect the whole body, released from the lung lining, and all of those are shut down by budesonide. One so the, medicine that's inexpensive, $3 a treatment, if you paid the full cash price without a discount, safe on two pound preemie babies for 30 years without batting an eye, that medicine actually hit the nail on the head. Okay, so, and I'm thrilled to know that because budesonide then was not just making sure, getting over the panic breathing thing, but actually preventing the release from your lungs to of, the, of the Of stuff, the cytokines, of the poisons. Cytokines going around your and body. And so, actually, there was a study in 2017 in the Saudi Journal of Anesthesia that showed when people are on the ventilator in the ICU with acute respiratory distress syndrome, ARDS, which is what COVID was causing, they their side of they check they drew blood before and after they would get a nebulizer treatment of budesonide yeah and those cytokine levels would drop to zero every time they got a breathing treatment okay i love that we have a video which uh is a, a patient uh to whom you uh, gave treatment i think this is do you have in there mr the video of patient daniel i apologize ahead of time it's a little hard to watch but i want you to see how effective budesonide was i had a hard time being able to eat <coughs> and the oxygen levels are dropping. ASAP. Three days of the treatment. Three days. I'm in shock of where I am today and where I was three days ago just with this treatment that the doctor said will not work. It will not work. And look where I am today. Praise God and thank you Dr. Bartlett. Okay, so that was your patient. I mean, honestly, those things are, I, I, I really, I even look away and I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm not, I probably was not cut out to be a doctor. Maybe. But <laughs> I don't even <laughs> like blood either now that I think about it. But the idea, I mean, the, you know, 
is it kind of like parables are better things than just stories and details? Watching someone go through that, and the hospital apparently wasn't going to give him budesonide until you came along and, and you and he demanded. And, and I mean, the turnaround was remarkable. Okay, so let's talk about, you want to add anything to that? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, then I want to turn to, you know, so the budesonide thing has now been um, originally. I think, it, I think budesonide is the biggest kept secret of COVID. It has been the most suppressed information. Uh, hospitals refused to give it. Many people lost their loved ones. I had people uh, that would add me to phone calls where they were begging the hospital doctors to give the budesonide, crying and pleading, and lost their loved ones because the doctors would not give budesonide. And whether it was because that wasn't Fauci's protocol or some other reason, uh, had doubt about it. But where are we now? Budesonide can be freely prescribed. You know, after our interview, uh, you got Anthony Fauci's attention because uh, Matthew McConaughey did an interview yeah. with Anthony Fauci where he asked Anthony Fauci, what about budesonide for COVID? Yeah. And his response, Anthony Fauci said, it's just a placebo. It doesn't really work. Well, Interesting that Oxford University a year later uh, finished the study called the Stoic Trial, and they found that 90% of hospitalizations, ER visits, and urgent care visits would have been prevented with early use of budesonide just twice a day. What? Remember the hospitals were overwhelmed. Remember the hospital yeah, hospital yeah. ships off both coasts at the same time, and they were turning uh, gift shops into COVID wards. Uh, in El Paso, it was reported that they had an area that they called the pit, where they put people that were sick with COVID that they were just doomed to die. They would just move them in up there and let them die. Oh my gracious. I'm oh telling gracious. you, we had the un unforgivable being done to people's loved ones here uh, in Texas. And I, I hope there's some uh, justice. Yeah, I hope there's some justice too. You know, we have, uh, first off, our radio listeners, I don't, don't go away until the last possible second and you're going to go off at uh, three minutes before the end because I do want to end on some po a positive note and I want to end on um, some positive things to say. So first of all, I want to make sure you got in. An Oxford study and other studies have now shown inhaled budesonide very effective in helping people, even late stage COVID, yes. even, even when they're really struggling. And so the idea we have this available and yet we had such a battle to have that accepted by you know I, I actually am from Midland Odessa and the uh, the chief medical officer of Midland Memorial of their Midland Health actually did a, a press conference with their pulmonologists that were very against budesonide saying nobody should use budesonide for COVID and it was on the front page reported on the Midland Reporter Telegram the front page a month later to the day is when Oxford's news came out, and it's been crickets since. I haven't heard. Uh, they didn't have the integrity to withdraw their statement. I haven't heard Anthony Fauci correct what he said either. It is mind blowing. It is mind blowing. Okay, I do want to, before, uh, I want to make sure we get to positive note on the end because we're kind of trying to talk through what happened since mm -hmm. two so and a half years ago. And, and a lot has happened. We're, we're cutting out many things. Um, but I do want to hit some positive um, notes. One is, I think more people, I mean, first of all, I want to hit a few more damages flowing from the vaccines. We haven't begun to touch that. Uh, but there have been great damages and injuries to people flowing from vaccine and death. Tell the one, if you would, the story about the uh, Florida doctor who is, uh, is it, I guess, OBGYN. So uh, we have... Uh, Dr. James Thorpe is an OBGYN who does maternal fetal medicine, high-risk pregnancies. Uh, in the last three years, he's treated over uh, 
2,500 uh, patients. And so he is a prolific uh, doctor. He's helped many people with very difficult cases. He's actually been an examiner on the OBGYN board uh, of medical examiners for people to be board certified. This, he is the creme de la creme expert on maternal fetal health. And he said that this, uh, that the COVID shot should be pregnancy category X, meaning absolute evidence that it is dangerous. This is what he has been reported over and over again because he's looked at all of the data. And he said that looking at all the data, a 57 times increase in miscarriages, 57 times. That's not 57%. 57 That's times five, the miscarriages yes. since COVID vaccines That's were introduced. 5,700% okay. increase. So, and I know he, I read the article about him. He talked about miscarriages, which was a huge, just heartbreaking number. And birth defects number. of all and, and kinds. Yes, and Of the brain, born. of the heart, and stillborn. And so, yes, it, it, and uh, uh, 1,200, uh, 1200 times increase in menstrual irregularities and menstrual problems, yep. which who wants that? Uh, so just because the baby, uh, just because there isn't a, a dead baby doesn't mean it's a good thing for women to suffer. And so these are th this is the evidence that's out. And so he has uh, offered to uh, pro bono be an expert witness for anyone who has lost a baby over this. Oh my gosh. I, I'm, I found that all staggering. And I'll go back to something I was saying earlier. People want to believe that our country, mostly the government, will do the right thing. You speak up. Many doctors have been on my show, many doctors around the country. The America, the America Frontline doctors are, in fact, they're filing litigation right now to get clarity from the FDA that they can prescribe ivermectin for their COVID patients without fear of retribution or punishment. I mean, the idea we have doctors rising up and we have crickets out of the entire federal administration, you know, there's uh, a medical Mary, establishment. There's a Dr. Mary Bowden in Houston who, uh, they, you should follow that drama. She has saved over 5,000 people's lives treating them with COVID and she's been attacked in Houston by the hospitals, Yep. Uh, you know, through the medical board. So she's received many complaints through the medical board and she's fighting for her license. But at this point she has decided it doesn't matter what people think, she wants to do, she's gonna do the right thing for people at this point, and she's gonna follow the science and she's going to do the right thing. I love that. I'm just gonna to touch on the Florida Surgeon General just to say, what a great guy. He has been one of the brave spokesmen around the country, speaking up and actually directly communicating with the FDA and the CDC and just saying, what in the world are you doing? And we're seeing all these dangers. I wanna hear back from you. But you know, before we run out of time, especially our radio listeners, um, so when you, if you're listening to this and you think, well, I got the vaccine because I thought it was the right thing, what's your advice going forward? Well, when it comes to, prob when, uh, to uh, disability or death after a COVID shot, it's usually uh, shortly after the shot. And so if, if someone has recovered, uh, has had symptoms and recovered after they got the shot, or they've made it through several shots, the, the more time that passes, the better. And we knew from the beginning, and we said in that interview, that this is not gonna be a one-time, one-shot, which is what we were sold. That was the bill of goods that we were sold at the beginning, that they're gonna make a vaccine and that'll stop this when we got a certain percentage, 80% or 90% of the population vaccinated. That was a lie. And so what we have heard over and over now is 
that uh, we're gonna that their goal is for everybody to be vaccinated every year till they die. And so you have a choice. It's not the government's choice, your body. It's not your body, the government's choice. That's how it is in China. But this is the United States of America. And uh, we are the land of the free, the home of the brave. And you need to not be moved by fear, manipulated, coerced, bullied. I, I think of the South, the, the airlines pilots uh, from the different airlines who um, have uh, heart attacks after, after they got the shots in. And some of them have on the internet said, this is what happened to me. Yeah. And, and I've lost my career. Uh, I've lost my livelihood and I had a heart attack. You know, we, here in Dallas, one of the pilots, uh, six minutes after he landed, ha went into full arrest. Right. Had a full heart attack. That is not an isolated event. And so fortunately, the military had to back off on mandating the vaccines. Uh, we've seen th that there's been a retreat on some of this mandates and decrees and bullying and coercing. But in the future, just because they, uh, it looks like you might lose your job, well, in, Chicago, in uh, Illinois, there was a hospital that paid thir uh, $13 million settlement to the nurses uh, that, that were fired because they would not get the shot. So, you know, make the right stand. You only get one body. Not your children, the government's choice. Not your children, Dr. Fauci's choice. Uh, you have to, we, ha we have rights. We have uh, responsibility and we need to be responsible with our bodies and look at the risks and benefits and don't get any shot that doesn't have long-term safety data yeah, is a good one. idea. Yeah. Long-term safety data of the uh, shot before you ever agree to it. And if uh, anyone and, argues with that, Debbie, thalidomide. Look up yeah, thalidomide. Yeah, about thalidomide. There's also the argument, the uh, point about just because in this COVID era, this pandemic era, we've kind of adopted or agreed to a culture of fear, but actually moving forward, if you can recognize if some other thing does come along, that you are able as a, an intelligent human being with God-given intelligence and freedom to resist fear, to not just surrender to the demand to get a, the next shot, especially if it hasn't gone through appropriate testing, and to look around for solutions like finding doctors like you, you know, and find out what was it you would suggest. You know, there is this book, the greatest book that was ever written, uh, the bestseller of all time, yeah. the Bible, and it says there's nothing new under the sun. So although they're manipulating things, there are solutions. And so uh, don't be in fear, that doesn't help anything. And there will be solutions to every one of these problems. I am certain of that. Yeah, the good book also says, God hath not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So not fear is a big, big part of it. Right. So beyond that, so people, um, you know, there are, um, I, I, the good thing that came out of this, if you can call it that, but I mean, there's a renewed sense of people feeling like I own my body and my healthcare freedom and I own my, I get to decide for myself what it is I want to do uh, to deal with whatever the challenge is. As we do in other cases, people make all sorts of decisions after diagnoses. And the idea of standing up for yourself to me is just uh, just profoundly important. So you people want to read, yeah, more about you because we're about out of time. By the way, happy listeners, we are not doing Why It Matters today because it's a unique show and I didn't know what we're going to talk about. So no Why It Matters. Where do people go to you to find out to write more about you and well, Budesonide? There's, there's a third party website called budesonideworks.com. And so there's always a lot of information being updated there, budesonideworks.com. And so that would be a, a place to look. Um, but I, I join you and many other 
uh, podcasts regularly. So it's really not about me, and I, I'm not. But I'll tell you, I'm not idle either. I'm on the nonprofit board that sued the FDA with the Freedom of Information Act request for the Pfizer data. And boy, that was a lot of evidence that people need to hear about. Yes. Over 1,200 diagnoses of bad outcomes associated with their product. We were never told that. I can't believe we didn't get to that because actually it was one important, there's too many important things in this happy stack of papers. But it's been three years, Debbie. The, but the, poor, the poor idea though that, you know, in other contexts, because we were looking earlier at the list of possible side effects, Pfizer, when they're forced to release their data after their, their study of the vaccines, said these are all possible side effects. It is five pages, tiny little type, single space of all the the risks of this vaccine, meaning things you, that are going to be side effects. And you Adverse said- Adverse events of special interest is what they titled it. Yeah. And it has Kaposi sarcoma, AIDS cancer on the list. We've never had any medicine with that as a potential adverse event of special interest reported. So to be clear, the COVID vaccines are caused the risk of things, even now that they're forced to admit, unlike in numbers and proportion and breadth than any, unlike anything you've ever seen. We've never had uh, many of these uh, dozens of autoimmune disorders listed. Um, autoimmune hepatitis, autoimmune pancreatitis, strokes, encephalitis, inflammation of the whole brain. And, and actually my sister-in-law, after her fourth COVID shot, has just got out of the hospital after three months because she got encephalitis. It's in her medical record that she, rece she received a COVID shot that day, started having trouble thinking clearly, and, it's, and it led to three months in the hospital and it looked like she was gonna end up in the nursing home or die. Uh, and this was a, a totally independent person before the shot. And so I have a highway patrol friend who says, just because you ran the red light three times and got away with it, doesn't mean, <laughs> doesn't mean you need to run the red light a fourth time, that you it, it might lesson. not go well. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Bartlett, we, as I told you, I think on the phone several days ago, we need like three hours, but I think we've kind of, we've got a little bit past our time right now. I just want to thank you for your bravery. And you know, you, what you brought even to that very first interview was a confidence that you are, uh, you are a student of medicine. You have completed your education. You've completed everything uh, beyond that, your, your residency, and then you become a teacher of other doctors. So when COVID hit, you didn't just jump into the spirit of fear. You really were deciding to listen. What is it I could do? What is no. it I could possibly do? And you had your medical experience and your education help you see there's something we can do beside wait to be told for a vaccine that may be months away. And that, I mean, it took courage and it took uh, confident. It took a right of confidence in your uh, acumen. Well, and I had a gut feeling that what I was hearing did not make sense. And I think a lot of Americans feel that way. You know, that doesn't add up. And so, you know, now we're seeing the rest of the story. The uh, FBI says that it was a lab leak, maybe. What? We were told that's not yeah. possible. So yeah. we're seeing stuff. When you have that gut feeling that it's just not adding up, you need to listen to that. You need to listen to it. Amen to it that. It could be life and death. Dr. Bartlett, thank you so much for joining me. Just great to see you thank as you, always. Debbie. Great for coming. So thanks very much for listening to America Can We Talk. Tomorrow, which is Wednesday, we are going to have talk about the fact that it is uh, International Women's Day and it's Women's Month and have some great people talking to you about what that all means. Uh, talk about what Tucker Carlson has revealed to all of us uh, that he, because he got access to the tapes through uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy to, to uh, what none of us knew about uh, the break-in or the events of January 6th. I think those that story 
story will change your mind about a lot of it. It's amazing, amazing stuff that Tucker Carlson's bringing forward for America to understand. And Thursday on the show, we have Catherine Engelbrecht joining us, founder of True the Vote, who is relentless in pursuing election integrity, exposing all sorts of election fraud and, and behind-the-scenes schemes that none of us knew. So it'll be a great week going forward. And thank you so very much for tuning in today and every day to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear-